let all things now living. Um, does everybody have a hymnal? If not, one of my kids can go get one. All right, hymn number 453. Actually, I need one, of course. <laughs> I get one. Hey, how are you, Judy? Thanks. Give thanks to the Lord, proclaim, proclaim God's greatness. Tell the nations what God has done. Sing praise to the Lord. Tell the wonderful things God has done. Be glad that we belong to God. Let all who worship God rejoice. The Lord is our God. God's commands are for all the world. God will keep his covenant forever. God's promises last for a thousand generations. So it's neat, a number of years ago, uh, the RC and the CRC put a book together um, that's liturgy, liturgy for all seasons, for Christmas, for Easter. Uh, it's the Reformed source book from Lifeway, if you've ever seen it. Just a lot of good resources in there. There's a lot of those kind of books out there, but that's where I pull this stuff from, um, if you wonder where it comes from. So our response is Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and make his face shine upon us that your way may be your saving uh, power um, that your way may be known on earth your saving power among all nations let the peoples praise you O God let the pe peoples praise you let the nations be glad and sing for joy 
For you judge the peoples with equity, and you guide the nations up on the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth is yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. All glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's sing 237, We Praise You, O God. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. So don't feel obligated if uh, the mic comes to you, you can pass it on. But if you want to say what you're thankful for tonight, Evangeline, you can begin. Family. Family. Food. Friends. Good health. I'm going to go with family too. <laughs> I'm thankful for my wonderful wife. I'm thankful for your wife, too. No. <laughs> I'm thankful that we can freely worship. I'm thankful for my wonderful husband. Thankful that God's in control. I'm thankful for family. I'm thankful for a beautiful daughter. Thankful for everything I have. Thankful for Jesus. Thank you for all God praises. Thankful that I retired. <laughs> thankful for family and friends. Thankful for the gift of salvation. 
just thankful for good health. Thankful for church. Just old mine. Thank you for a Christian family. And God puts us in one. Thank you for family and friends. Thank you for our church family. Church family and friends. Thank you for our pastor. Thank you for our church family and our natural family. I'm thankful for being here and worshiping with all of you. Thank you for, for living in a great nation. I'm thank you, thankful for safety and travel. And, and this is a dangerous situation for both of us. I got the microphone and neither one of us knows what to say next. Testing, 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 testing. So in our Thanksgiving, we do have the Thanksgiving liturgy that follows there. Let us give thanks to the Lord, our rock, our fortress, and our deliverer. Let us remember his mercy, for he is gracious and compassionate. We thank you for all the faith of Christ, putting your spirit within us, for giving us the mind of Christ, for gathering us into your church. We thank you, Lord, for extending your grace to us, for calling us to a life of gratitude, for calling us to service in your kingdom. Thanks be to God. Let us give thanks to the Lord, for he satisfies the thirsty, he fills the hungry with good things, he heals the afflicted, let us celebrate his abundant goodness. We thank you, gracious Father, that you provide all our needs for the food on our tables, for the clothes on our bodies, for the beds we sleep in, and for the dwellings that shelter us. We praise you for all the gifts that go beyond our basic needs, for the things that make our work easier. For the, con for the conveniences of modern life and for the beauty and pleasure that you bring into our lives. Let us give thanks to the Lord for the, for the people he has given us, for parents and grandparents, for sons and daughters, for brothers and sisters, for husband and wife, for all of those who reflect to us the human dimension of your love. We give you thanks, Lord. For neighbors and colleagues, for friends both far away and nearby, for all of those who share the joys and sorrows of our daily lives, we give you thanks, O Lord. For those who serve us in restaurants, in repair shops, in stores, in schools, in hospitals, for all those who make our lives more comfortable, we give you thanks, O Lord. For the family of God, for the church universal, and for those who worship with us and minister to us in this church, we give you thanks, O Lord. For those who are weak and destitute, for those who need protection and support, for those who need healing and nurturing, and for all of those to whom we minister. We give you thanks. 
for the great mercies and promises given to us in Christ Jesus our Lord. To you, O God, be praise and glory. Let me pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for all of these things and so many more. And so often in our life, Lord, we're so busy. It's so easy to call out to you when things are difficult, when we are in clear need. But when things are good, so often we forget to say thanks. And even when things are difficult, we forget to say thanks. You are the God who provides all of our needs. You give us what we don't deserve. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for salvation, for the church. We thank you for our families. We thank you for your sanctifying work in each of our lives. Forgive us, Lord, for taking things for granted. Forgive us, Lord, for walking by those in need or not giving a second thought or even a prayer to those who need a prayer. Forgive us, Lord, for often just looking down upon others. Lord, help us not take for granted all that you've provided for us, but in this we do confess our sin and thank you for the great forgiveness you've given to us. We pray in your name. Amen. Let's confess our faith together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, who suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, and he ascended into heaven. From the hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. From Ezekiel, the assurance of pardon, declaration of forgiveness. We read, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, and from all of your idols I will cleanse you. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove from you your body, uh, from your body the heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh. So uh, in, in the normal environment, I just wrapped up a service in 18 minutes. How about that? Except I haven't preached, so. So you have to wait for your pie. Al. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Mike already had his Thanksgiving hamburger, so he's good, right? right. <clears throat> the Indians invented the cheeseburger? Heresy. <laughs> false, false doctrine. The turkey, the turkey burger. All right, so I'm going to look at Deuteronomy 8, 1 to 20 tonight, if you have your Bibles or your app. Uh, obviously, I'm not using the screen tonight, um, so you can listen along as well as I preach. So maybe in your life you've had a time where you've recommitted yourself to the Lord. You know, uh, with our covenant theology, we understand the promises that have been given to our families and to our kids. And then part of our faith is making our faith our own. And that time was college for me. I've shared a bit about that when uh, my faith caught fire and I was eager and I was excited, full speed ahead, if you will, and it had to do with a college group I was in, a particular conference uh, that happened actually uh, in Cedar Rapids when we came down from Winona. And I remember a friend at that time, uh, a wise friend in the faith, uh, 
It was a reminder from him, but it was new information to me. And he said, you know, you're on this mountaintop. It's a mountaintop experience. You're excited about the faith, uh, but just know those mountaintops go away. And so what you have to do is establish your faith, your roots deeply. You have to dig into God's word, cooperate with the spirit and sanctification. So you're rooted when the mountaintop goes away because they come and they go. And we know that. Um, We've all been there, those mountaintop experiences. Maybe it was a conference, uh, maybe it was a concert. I don't know, maybe it was a speaker. But we've all been there and we've all seen the mountaintops come and the mountaintops go. Um, And so the question is when they go, how deep are we rooted? What are we rooted in? And we see where we're rooted when those mountaintops go away, when our zeal fades, when our excitement wanes. You know, I've been in churches that try to maintain spiritual highs, and it's kind of a, a based on the law of diminishing returns, right? So one service has to be better than the next to maintain the high, and you, and you can't do that. Uh, and as a matter of fact, I've had friends uh, that have ministered in one particular church where that they capitalized on spiritual highs, and they burned out. Like, not all of them, a few of them have burned out of ministry uh, because we're, we're not made for that. Obviously, we're made with emotion. Uh, we're made to know the love that God has for us. We're, uh, we're made uh, for times of zeal, and we're made for times of sorrow. Uh, But what keeps us grounded is not emotion. It's got to be Christ himself. And so I just say that to set the stage for what I'm going to read in Deuteronomy. When Moses speaking these words to Israel, reminding them of the unchanging character of who God is, reminding them of God's faithfulness to them, that they might continue forward. And so I'm going to begin chapter 8 in verse 1. This is what we read. Be careful to follow every command I am giving to you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promises on oath to uh, to your forefathers. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known to teach you that man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during those 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and revering him, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and pools of water with springs flowing in the valleys and the hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord. Your, uh, your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the waste and the dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless land. With its venomous snakes and scorpions, he brought you water out of a hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known, to humble and to test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who, who gives you the ability to produce wealth, 
and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will be surely destroyed. Like the nations the Lord destroyed before you, so you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. Let me pray. God, as we consider these words that were given uh, to your select people in the Old Covenant, these words that remind us of the fullness of Christ in obedience, because of his obedience, Lord, help us know the good way to walk. That in the land you're bringing us into, Lord, that we would anticipate it and look forward to it. We pray this in your name. Amen. So, so there is the overlap. We've talked about that in Sunday school. Uh, you know, the overlap of Israel being brought into the promised land. And so in one sense, now the promise is for all of God's people, not just the nation state Israel. But we are being brought into the new heavens, the new earth, the promised land before us. And we have been taken out of slavery, slavery to sin. So there is that overlap. That's not what I'm going to talk about tonight. But I want you to know there is overlap to God's covenant people uh, as there was to the nation of Israel. But what does it mean to dig in deep, being reminded that God is the one who continues to provide for us? So social media, and some of you know the stats on giving it up. Um, If you just want to simplify the stats, people tend to be more joyful as they cut out more Facebook or Twitter. it's interesting, you know, that, that joy increases, relationships increase. In fact, I think, uh, was it all junior high, Ella, that had to fast from social media for a week? Was it a good thing? Ah, right, it's a trick question, isn't it? Right. Yes, I know it's a trick question for the teachers as well. But we know the results. Uh, the things that we serve will shape and mold us, and when we lose them, they let us down, and we're sad, Right. They become God to us. It's good to be reminded of the things that we place uh, before us that aren't God. Anyway, so uh, there was a, there was an app on, uh, I think it was on Facebook a couple of years ago, where um, it would tally all the words that you've ever typed. Do you remember that? And so it would basically be uh, an, an accumulation and an outcome of uh, of what you've what you've put on, on social media. And, so, and for some people, you know, their, their main words had to do with their church, or they had to do with their family, or had to do with their kids. Um, kind of rhetorical, don't answer, like, what, what did yours say? What, what predominantly comes out of your mind through your fingertips? What sums up your social media life? And the question we ask behind that, is it blessing to others? Um, is it encouragement? Maybe it's frustration. But what comes out of our heart spills onto social media, spills over to other people? You know, I wonder about my own life. You know, are my words blessing or curses to others? Joy, encouragement. You know, we can take the, uh, the words of this book. We can take the, the words of all of Scripture. Um, but if you were to take just Deuteronomy itself and do that little outcome analysis, what word do you think or what phrase would be repeated the most in Deuteronomy? This you can answer if you want. What, what phrase do you think would be most repeated? I know you're not prepped, but just off the top of your head, if anyone has any thoughts. Obey, okay, so that's in there. 
obey the Lord. So that would be, a, that would be a, a, an adequate summary. So the, the phrase that's quoted the most is be careful to obey. Be careful to obey. Be careful to obey. On and on it's repeated throughout the book of Deuteronomy. I mean, God wants us to know something. He wants to remind us of who we are as his people and what that looks like in our life. Be careful to obey. Be careful to obey. We know Jesus, what he said in Matthew 5, 17 to 18. He said, do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth have passed away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Now we know, if you've studied covenant theology, that the new covenant is greater than the old, but the old doesn't go away. Um, so Christ is the fulfillment of uh, all, all of Deuteronomy's laws, moral, ceremonial, civil, um, in the sense that we don't have cleanliness laws anymore. Moral law, or the civil laws don't apply the same way because we're not a, a nation state, but the moral law stands. Uh, all the law still stands in its own way. It's not been abolished. It's been fulfilled. But yet we read Deuteronomy and we're like, well, what does this mean for us? How do we live? What kind of application do we take from it? And there's tons of application. And I'll kind of go off a little bit here. Like one example would be uh, Israel was commanded to build a parapet on their roof. Maybe I've said this before. Do you know what a parapet is? So when, when you all hang out with family at Thanksgiving, well, let's, let's put this in July. So 4th of July, you have family over and you're on your deck. Is it a good thing to have a railing on your deck? Yeah. Well, why is it a good thing? Keeps people from falling off. So a parapet would be put on the roof. And so people would gather together as families on the roof, maybe to cool off from the heat of the day, but they would gather and keep company. So the command would be build a parapet to love your neighbor so they don't fall off. And we're like, well, that's an easy application. Put a fence around your deck. Put a handrail on the stairs. So there are ways to apply the law, to live into God's good ways. God knows what's best for us. A lot of times we can approach the law and say, God just wants to take the fun away. But we know that's not the case. We know first and foremost, God is holy and can have nothing to do with sin. So it's about approaching a holy God. But, but second to that is God knows what's best for his children. He knows the way to the good life, if you will. He knows what's good. And we know what it is to be made right with God. We look at the law, as Calvin reminds us, and we see three things. We see, first and foremost, what is expected of God's people. Second, we see our inability to fulfill what's expected of us. And that drives us third to the cross. We see a Christ, we see Jesus, we see the Messiah who has fulfilled the law completely for us, which then sends us back asking how now can we freely obey because we've been set free in Christ. We know that in Christ all our sin has been taken, all of our bad deeds, everything we've done against God was taken to the cross. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. And then we ask, now what? Christ tells us his way is the good way. His way is the way to the fullness of life. Jesus, who perfectly obeyed all things for us, who went to the cross and raised again from the dead, points us back to obedience in Christ. So in high school, um, it's kind of it's kind of odd. No, I know you're looking forward to your license, um, Megan. I assume you are too. Maybe the oldest of the kids here. Uh, my nephews weren't. And so they didn't get their license until they were 18, which was so odd to me. Um, I couldn't wait to get my license. And uh, when I got it, I was, uh, I was given the great gift of a minivan. <laughs> that wasn't my response. <laughs> yeah. 
But it was wheels, and my dad was happy too, because now I could go get a job away from the home. And that's what that van did. But it was no good to me sitting in the driveway dripping oil. It was made to move. It was made to drive, even if it was a minivan, like Ella might get one day. It's made to move. It's made to drive. Like we are, God has made us not to sit and drip oil, whatever the oil might be, grumbling, complaining, sinning. We're made for action. We're made for motion, obedience to God, loving his family, loving his bride, his church, serving one another. We're made for action. We're made for motion. And it's when we uh, roll in the way that God has made us to roll uh, that makes us thankful, right? We see what God has gifted us with, who he's placed around us. We see the, the good deeds he's placed before us to walk in, and that makes us thankful. But when we sit and just drip oil, we don't become thankful people. So we read these words from Deuteronomy. Be, be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter the possess, uh, the possess the, and possess the land the Lord promises, uh, promised on oath to your forefathers. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and revering him. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving to you this day. He's just like, Israel, remember. Remember, God, he saved you from slavery. He's taking you to a promised land. Move forward, roll forward, follow him, obey his commands. He knows the good way. It reminds me of James when James wrote these words. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. The man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. James reminds us, you know, Christ is the fulfillment of the law. He is the one that sets us free to obedience, and we do find freedom in our obedience to Christ. It is freeing, right? I mean, it's as simple as saying, do not murder. You murder, you're not free, right? You obey God's law, you're free. But in all of his commands, it brings freedom. He knows what will satisfy us. He knows what's good for us. Obedience to God is a good thing. And we learn it. Um, we kind of like to joke. Uh, you know, we, we, can, we learn it in our sanctification. God will finish what he started in each of us. We know that, but there's the easy way or there's the hard way. There's a way of cooperating with the Spirit as he works in us and... There's ways to grieve the spirit, but God will finish what he started in us, and sometimes it is, it is the hard way. But he will finish what he started. There's so many different stories to, to share here, and you know, we've, all, we've all seen people walk away from the faith to come back later. Praise God when they come back later. But we've seen even in the lives of, of you know, friends that we have or family, when God reveals sin that they're not dealing with, that God basically says, if you're not going to deal with it, I'm going to deal with it in you. I'm going to keep you rolling forward. I'm going to keep you moving in my direction. <clears throat> I may have shared this story before, but it's one that always comes to, to my mind again, one of the most significant points early on in my ministry. We had a young man in our church who uh, was selling drugs out of his house, out of his parents' house, actually, and they were a prominent family in the community. And, you know, in a small Iowa community, just the shame that can be brought on a family when something's exposed. I mean, it can happen in Des Moines, but it's so different in small town Iowa. And so he's a Christian, born into a Christian home, raised in the faith, and a good guy. Um, 
by, by the culture standard and the police arrive and go through the home and long story short, take him to jail and his name's in the paper and on the radio. And uh, the family just feels shame, you know, and um, as I've probably shared this before, the conversation I had with him afterwards is, you know, praise God that he dealt with this in you. You know, this would be dealt with one way or another. God loves you enough to have this exposed that you might repent and return to him. And uh, there was more in that conversation, but he agreed. And there was repentance and there was restoration. And his question was, what do I do about a small town now, small town Iowa, where my parents are shamed, where the church talks, where the church gossips? And uh, we came to the conclusion that he just comes up front and just asks for prayer. And he did. And he had the whole church's support. And to this day, he's pressing on after Christ. So it's just one of those stories where, uh, reminding us, you know, when, when we work in the ways that God has called us to go, it goes well. But when we don't, it doesn't go well, right? There's covenant promises and covenant curses for the people of God. But God will work out of us and into us those things that are pleasing to him one way or another. And so we're reminded in Deuteronomy, be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter the, pro- the, possessed, uh, the, possessed the land the Lord promises, promised on oath to your forefathers. There is great benefit in, pl- in applying God's word. And today being Thanksgiving, and God is the one um, whom we are truly thankful towards. Um, not to rehash what I preached on last Thanksgiving, but all of our Thanksgiving have to have a target. We consider who God is, what he's done. We're reminded of of his faithfulness to his people all throughout history, all throughout covenant history, uh, and our Thanksgiving goes to God, right? So if you're thankful, you have to have a target of thanks. You know, Moses reminds the people, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, his decrees, that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and your flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you'll forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. People haven't changed. So quickly, if we don't keep God as the object of thanks, we begin either to thank ourselves for what we think that we've done or just to kind of throw our thanks out into the wind. I'm just thankful. Generally thankful. I was reading a book this afternoon of people who were thankful, and one guy's like, I'm just thankful to the universe that I have life. I'm like, oh, you're just like, you're just so close. Thankful to the universe? Like, that's, that's nothing. What about the God of the universe? The target of our thanks. When we're thankful people, being reminded of who God is in our life, we become satisfied people. When we're satisfied people, we become content people. Godliness with contentment is what? It's a great gain. It starts with thanksgiving. Being reminded what God has provided for all of us. I know there's pie waiting, so I'll wrap it up. Who is the target of our thanks is our question. You know, as Christians, we do experience God's good gifts. But also as Christians, we fall into the trap of the Garden of Eden and we think we can do it our own way, that we know better than God, that we could be like him. And when we do, the results are often and always the same. But God brings us back. That's the joy of life in Christ. Though we've been kicked out of the garden, Christ has opened the gate that we might come back in with him leading the way. 
So as thankful people, let me wrap this up with a prayer of thanksgiving. And then we'll sing a few hymns before we eat. Our Heavenly Father, we are thankful for all that you've provided for us in Christ. Lord, the world offers us so many ways to be satisfied, but there is no satisfaction in the ways of the world. The world offers us so many ways for joy, but we know that joy is only found completely in you. So on this Thanksgiving celebration, Lord, might we continue to keep you before all that we do. Might we always be reminded of all that you have done in our lives, Lord, that we might press on forward, rolling on after you, being thankful people. And we pray this in your name. Amen. I'm always happy when Kathy plays because we can do hymn requests, which is different than when I play the piano, right? Because <laughs> I can't. Uh, are there any requests? I think we'll do, let's do three of them tonight. Unless there's a protest and we want more, let's do three. Call it out if you have one that you want to sing. Was that 438? Dorothy, is that what you said? 438? Four, four, okay. All right, one, three, and four of 438. 